0: Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Who remembers them? Relax, don't do it. Getting a bit of aggression there. Holly Johnson and Frankie. My good friend um, from the Toys Club of Winery, who's the chairman of the Toys Club of Winery, Francois Boita. And I were like the major Frankie Goes to Hollywood fans back in the 80s. Um, <clears throat> all the songs of theirs. And believe it or not, we danced to some of the tunes. And they had... Um, Next to Holly, there was a guy. Nobody actually knew what he was doing in the band. When um, I mean, we had some, some. they had good drummers, they had a good bass, keyboards, but there was this um, long, tall, thin guy with a mustache dancing next to Frankie. And um, Franco and I always called him Slappus. And um, what a band. And Frankie sing about war, which takes me to a story I've got following on a column I wrote, a blog post on winegoggle.coza about a specific South African wine, um, which reminded me of a story that I didn't actually want to put down in print. Um, I don't like writing about um, army days and, and this sort of stuff. As all of us guys my age, well, I think guys about 40 plus um, I'm quite a way beyond f- um, 40, but in my day, once you finished school or university, you had to clock in for two years national military service, um, and um, some of us ended up up north, in, on the borders between Namibia and Angola. It's a good, like, a little wine wine remembrance that I have. Um, and um we were up in nineteen eighty two up on the border of and, and just into the edge of southern Angola and um did some um operations there, involved in some operations and um one of these included, you know, cleaning up uh cleaning up a base. Um there was um a base of of, of in enemy for us who dug themselves into the ground and um, they were Cuban and um, Angolan soldiers, a couple of Avamba soldiers from the northern parts of Namibia. And um, it was like a more of a production. I mean, you were just part of this unit and and I I was part of the the tail enders. I mean, you first had the guys from the Air Force going in and bombing the shit out of the place and then you had... um, um, uh, m- 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 militarized machines going in tanks and panser vehicles and all this kind of stuff and then we had a, we had to follow up and and go into the base um which is we just dug underground and check if there was anybody left there nobody gets out of there alive they say but I, I kind of ended up with the, with, the, uh, with a mate of mine. I still remember his name, Roy Felsman, And I mean, you'd been in the bush for three, four weeks. And um, you're carrying around um, as much water as you can drink. And you were eating of rat backs and, and sleeping under the stars. And it's not very really romantic, I'd have to say. And you're really out there in the thick of things. And. Um, we, we went down in this base, roy and i and in the in the sort of the trenches it was like a kind of a trench thing um dug out little hovels and so forth and we had to see if there were any of the the, uh, the other fellows who were opposing us left in those hovels um and we had to kind of Tell them to get a move on and, and all, so forth. There were Cubans and um, Namibians and the likes. And I just remember going down in this. This uh, there was like a, a wooden ladder you had to go down in, and going from sort of bunker to bunker, seeing if there was anybody left there. Both of them had hot footed it by then. And in the bunkers you would find sort of, um, you know some blankets and um left, some weapons that left behind odd pieces of clothing normally camo clothing all these kind of green dark green um uniforms that the cubans wore and i i got down into this um into this corridor and i i just smelled something i couldn't put my my, my finger on it but the smell around was dust, and it was cordite, and it was sweat, and, and, and dry, and heat, and Africa, and wonderful, and, and, and I'd been used to that. That was what I was living, all of us were living in, we had around us. Um, but then this, there's this something in the air that broke through this wild bush, dusty sent, and I couldn't, it reminded me of something, but I couldn't think of it at that time. Anyway, we were supposed to, to, to do stuff down there, so we went from b- bunker to bunker, see if there's anybody there There wasn't, and you had to like go in with your gun and, and see if, if you were going to get shot at, you'd, you'd do the necessary. In any event, um, and then it was about the fourth or fifth bunker I went into, there was a table, I couldn't believe it. It was like a, like a, um, these metal table with tables, which you find um, actually in our kind of army camp. It's like a camping sort of table. And um, I kid you not on that table, there stood three enamel mugs, enamel, like the ones you'd find down here in South Africa, some of these country stores. And in the middle of the table was a bloody bottle, half full bottle of Tassenberg wine. Now, if you'd been in this situation, so far away from home, um, n- near yet so very far, in Africa, in the bushveld, and you'd come from the Cape winelands, I was living. My home was in part at that time. I mean right up, sort of, stones away from the closest vineyards. And you'd come from that that Stellenbosch South African wine environment, um, of which you were just beginning to partake at the tender age of 17, which is my age then when I was up on the border. And you see this bottle of Tussenberg standing there. I mean, you... you might as well just have seen your your mother or your father sitting at the table, telling you to sit down and and, and asking you what you've been up to and giving you a hug and so forth. It was just this, the sign of re- amazement to begin with, surprise when I saw that bottle of wine, and then this feeling of of comfort, and um, and to see something familiar, to actually realise that, what you had remembered about your life in the Boerland as a teenager at school with a family on the table or visits to the odd little bar. I think I started going to the Akker when I was in my trick. Um, all those memories came back to me Yeah, in the middle of nowhere in the African bush, seeing this bottle of Tassenberg standing there. It was just amazing. And <laughs> The the cups I like, went over. We, we, we Roy and I. We kind of um, saw nobody else was in the bunk, bunker, so we 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 were easy, and we walked over. And the mugs had some wine in them, and obviously that wine um, was what I'd been smelling, and it was just amazing. I mean, I must have smelled it at twenty. kid you not, twenty twenty five meters. Um, whether it I was downwind or upwind it didn't matter because we were about two meters below below the African soil. And there that bottle of Thusenberg was, and it was just incredible seeing that maroon label with that familiar um, um, logo, Tusselenberg, Roy Wein, and um, Stellenbosch Farmer's Winery. It was really kind of amazing. And, of course, we walked over, looked around, and um, we took a cook. Quick, illicit swig. I mean, we would have been in deep shit if somebody find uh, saw that one of the uh, officers. But took a healthy glug, and um, it was delicious. It was, um, it was quite warm, as expected. But um, the taste of that sharp red wine, something fresh, um, grapey, going down your throat in the middle of the African bush during a during a war. It's a wine I remember. I remember very well, and I I kind of never look at a bottle of Tas um, without certain memories coming back to me. And Tasmanberg, still one of one of South Africa's eponymous brands. Um, I had a couple of bottles recently. I, I was in the Karoo for a, a literary festival, and my friend up there, John Donaldson, who who owns a couple of bookshops and lives there free fervent Tuss fan and it's 40 bucks a bottle and it still tastes good and in summertime, times I chuck a couple of cubes of ice with it um mainly since so now I I don't know whether they're importing wine or not but it's a it's a it's a never fail reliable south african wine with a heap a heap of memories attached to it long live tassenberg i say and me smelling me smelling that wine from that distance reminded me of what my friend Bun Boyens told me. Bun was editor of the burger and had um, just after university spent a year in the Antarctic, one of these research sort of teams. They find find um, gullible students at university and um, they, they paint this picture of adventure amongst the snow wastelands, icy snow wastelands of the Antarctic, convincing these guys to go down and help out with research and so forth. Anyway, Bun, Bun was one of them and I spoke a lot to him when we were working together at the Berger newspaper about his time in Antarctic and I think he remembers watching, seeing the movie Blade Runner about 75 times during his, his nine or 10 months there. Bleak, snow, desolate, isolated with, I think, 20, 30 guys or whatever. And I remember him telling me um, when his his team's term had come to an end on Antarctic, Antarctica, Antarctica um for the For the first time in ten eleven months the the ship from from Cape Town arrived at the base, and the new crew who were going to take take um, Bun and his team's place you know were beginning to settle down and they'd bought um fresh produce with them and Bun says the the smell of grapes and melon and peaches on antarctica um something he'd never forget smelling f- fresh fruit for the first time in 9 or 10 months um where the only scents you were experiencing were that of yourself and your mates and diesel and Penguin crap or walrus blubber, whatever they have down there. But in any event, but he he also said he he could smell that 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 fruit about thirty, forty meters away. Um, so that's what that kind of thing does. Perhaps for wine competitions, um, the judges should be locked away for five or six weeks, only smelling um, each other, um, ballpoint pens, laptop cases. Um, and then we subjected to the glorious wine. Um, I'm sure they will their ratings will be phenomenal and very diverse and exciting. And the COVID thing is is coming down quite strong again. Um as we know. Cape Town is one of the one of the hotspots, I believe. I was gonna head it hot it up to Plet in the holidays to check out the Newstead wines again. Um, and the garden route is under serious COVID pressure. Yeah, in Cape Town, it's coming along, and it's great to see that there's quite a bit of responsibility happening now. Um, um, events I'd been invited to have been cancelled due to COVID. But still, you know, I think we were our own worst enemies. Um, driving up Clear Street, as I do in Cape Town, driving up Clear Street three or four times a week, cheek to jowl, folk are packed on the porches drinking, talking, smoking, unmasked and so forth. And yeah, yeah, I know sounding like a Karen or a Mother Grundy and so forth, but I mean, yeah, look, I had COVID and fortunately as large, the largest percentage of people that do get COVID you come through it all right. And it's not a lethal disease. It was for some, but um, for the far, the biggest majority of people who get COVID sort of Come pull through it after ten or twelve days, but that doesn't mean one doesn't have to really throw everything at stopping this bastard. Because as long as it is around, the authorities are going to be forced to take action and to clamp down. Um, and un- unfortunately, here in the wine industry, um, the wine tastings happening the, and going ahead unabated um famous winemakers rocking up at restaurant to 30 40 people having a great time do you think it's responsible i mean we are under the cosh i've been speaking to some da counselors and um, freedom front counselors and the wine industry is in the spotlight it's bread flagged they are looking at us to do something wrong They're looking to point fingers. Thank God it doesn't appear that there's going to be a hard lockdown for liquor Um, and cigarettes. Well, cigarettes doesn't matter, but I mean liquor as it was in the past. But we have to be, we being the wine industry, we have to be seen to be doing the right thing. So I am supporting. I'm not going out trying to be a prophet or encouraging people, telling people what to do and so forth. I'm just supporting responsibility at these times because heaven knows we don't need to go back to square one. I don't think any of us will pull through that. um, Wine-wise, I had a great visit to Ken Forrester a couple of weeks back um, and I spent some time with Ken, which was great. We've come quite a long way. I think that when I started getting into the wine industry 25 years ago, Ken was sort of um, one of the first guys I went to see and chatted with and so forth um, about things. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a force of nature, maverick. And what has Ken done for and Do we actually realize what Ken has done for and Blanc? i'm trying to think if if um the the status of Chenin blanc and the reverence it has garnered amongst the wine critics of the world um the f- and, and the accolades it has got in terms of being noted as a south african gem ken surely be one of one of the top top people if not the top person who inspired the acceptance of Chenin Blanc as a great South African wine cultivar, and um, a pioneer in in getting this wave of energy behind Chenin going. I remember in the 90s, and this is me growing up, having grown up in a house where we drank Steen and Chenin from Parabach from since I was a kid. You know, it was a household grape, and and yeah, in the 90s, my mother was. Um, doing a bit of wine writing, and I was, I was involved at a PR company, doing a bit of wine marketing and so forth. And by that time, everybody was writing about and, and focusing on Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc and white Bordeaux blends and Cap Classic. And in the 90s, this silver-haired Englishman from Joburg was promoting Chenin Blanc. Talking about Chenin Blanc, living Chenin Blanc, taking um, uh, people to Chenin Blanc tastings, um, encouraging winemakers to to live on the edge and and start making wooded Chenins and more expressive Chenins and realizing its diversity. And here's this English guy from Joburg doing all this. I mean, he was even driving around a car which had Chenin on it. And I said to my mom. Is this who is this oak really is? I mean, Chenin Blanc. Come on, it's just, it's we like Chenin Blanc. It's a, a workhorse of the South African wine industry. Where is he trying to take this? And um man, down the line, twenty years down the line, we know where Chenin Blanc is now. And um, a lot of it has to do with the personality, and how I do hate this word. But no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say the p word, passion. But the the enthusiasm and the excitement and the verve and the commitment and the conviction, Ken has really lived that through Shannon, so it is seen as one of South Africa's and possibly the Cape's most unique and greatest white cultivar, and we've got Ken to thank for that. So thanks, Ken Forrester, um, and also thanks for the thanks for the memories. And we had some great. Um, FMC Chenin Blancs with Ken the other day. Forrester Minot Chenin, that is Minot being um, Ken's wingman, Martin Minot, although they alluded as fucking magic Chenin. um, Willard Chenin Blanc from a a vineyard on the farm Skolzenhof where Ken lives. And it really is an amazing wine. I, I think I've had it since I think the first vintage or two. Really a lovely um wooded Chenin, obviously the wood there for structure, and the wood lifts that brilliant sunny sweet spot, dry Chenin Blanc bring to the fore, making it a um almost a almost a tropical flowing, breezy, concentrated, delicate white wine with a nice little citrus zingy oomph at the bottom it really is a great white wine and um, recognized as such and deserve to be recognized by the great ken forrester thanks for listening folks wear those masks um, because if you get COVID, you ain't going to be tasting anything or smelling anything um, so if that's if that's one way i can i can scare you into COVID protection mode all that be it then um, take care cool down for holidays, days and have a great one and once again thanks for your comments um, your phone calls your emails about the podcast Um, keep listening drive safely take care enjoy your wine and love it more adios